Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I got in the house today, Senior Master Sergeant James Carell. Hey, as always, y'all know these are our opinions, our personal opinions, and not necessarily speaking of the United States Air Force, uh, the Department of Defense or the United States government, just to make sure we're clear on everything. Um, doesn't mean that uh, what Jay is going to bring to us today is any less important. Uh, definitely got some wisdom that he's going to share with the team today. So as y'all know, we did Senior Chat 1, and then we started going through it. Jay, I think this is part five or six. Heck, man, I don't know. I hadn't kept count. Uh, I know I said that to the last guest too, and I, you know, <laughs> poor planning, you know, for, uh, uh, when you have poor planning, you have poor performance, you know what I mean? Uh, so I think we're on part six, I believe. Uh, but anyway, bringing, bringing panel members back to have a deeper discussion. And, and Jay, you weren't able to be with us uh, the first time around, just the timing didn't work out. So definitely thankful we're able to get you back and, and or not necessarily get you back, get you on for the first time. Uh, to talk about this very important topics and what we have found jay uh, the rest of the panel members as we've gone through this and feedback we've gotten from the field so to speak um is, it is target audience was senior master and selects uh but man the wisdom y'all brought and the experience y'all brought uh, as senior master are just benefiting anybody any any ranked here uh and, and our civilians as well we had a couple of civilians listening in and said hey these are some great points for civilian airmen as well so awesome glad to have you in the house man why don't you tell the crew a little bit about yourself who you are who is jay yeah, so thanks, Chief. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, definitely try to make it on the first time. Couldn't do it. Uh, did Like you said, it did, just didn't match up, didn't line up for mine. Uh, so I didn't get the opportunity to say, but I definitely want to say is uh, congrats on the promotion for those that made senior. And then, uh, um, and again, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so I've been in the Air Force about 20 years this summer. Um, I'm a 2T1, that's a ground transportation. Rhino by trade. Uh, spent a little time outside of the career field as a uh, military training instructor, working down at the Gateway of the Air Force uh, as a as an MTI. Yeah, and then and then uh, I've been around you know a few bases. So I've been around seven bases, a few MAGCOMs, been on a few deployments. Uh, I think I've got the breadth of experience um, when it comes to understanding different MAGCOMs and understanding a little bit different perspective. Uh, I am definitely family oriented type person. That's, that's who I am. Uh, I've been married to my wife now for uh, 15 years this month. I can't forget that date. So that's coming up this month. And then, uh, and then I have, we have four children, uh, two biological children. And we also, we also uh, foster as well here in the community. Uh, and that's something I'll touch on just briefly. Um, if I get the chance to in this, in this forum. And then of course we have uh, two, two pets uh, in the house as well. I think one of your folks that you had on, podcast had just as many or if not more uh, pets yeah. and they had children and I was like man that is wild so that's <laughs> who I am in a nutshell um, yeah. I think just kind of highlight a little bit about my career is uh, I love no kidding uh, I love the Air Force I love my job I've been a, a lifer as soon as I came out of hi high school I said I'm going to the Air Force uh, even before I was out of high school so I was one of those deppers who just had my mindset and I know that's not the case for everybody but that was the case for me uh, and so I just kind of had my way forward just right off the bat and then uh, was not expecting anything that happened afterwards, uh, but super, super humbled by what has happened afterwards. So that's me in a nutshell, Chief. That's, 
That's awesome, Jay. Hey, th thanks so much. I saw, uh, you know, your, your Smokey the Bear hat on the wall back there, and I snapped too, man. I was, <laughs> I was, I had flashbacks of basic military training, man. So the audience, let's just hear the audio version of this. They won't have the video, but man, I was sweating. You were introduced yourself. I was just locked onto that. I was like, man, my goodness, what, am I standing right? Am I well, should be afraid rest? I didn't know. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. It's all good. Uh, so absolutely, man. Uh, anybody that knows you uh, or has the opportunity to get to know you can see really, really quickly. Uh, you know, you're in there. It's, it's calling uh, for you, and you can tell that. Uh, and it and does not to take away from anybody else out there that is not necessarily a calling for. There are still airmen out there that are doing good things for the Air Force, doing good things for our nation. Now, uh, but man, there's there's a few that you can just tell it's a it's a special calling for. So thank you for being on. Uh, so hey, man, what? Let's let's get into this thing. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Enough talk out of me. Uh, what did you want to what was kind of you wanted to center the conversation around? I know we, we had passed some words back and forth and uh, I know you kind of broke it down in a couple of main points that you wanted to hit on. But just opening thoughts. What, what do you have for opening thoughts? I know, again, the target audience is uh, senior master and selects, uh, but don't let that hold you. Don't let that bound you in, man. Share whatever's on your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh few things I want to touch on was just kind of what I've learned in the very short time that I've been a senior master sergeant. Uh, and those kinds of things are fresh on your mind. And it's like, man, I've got to share this. I think, I think folks need to know this. And, and maybe I, maybe I was uh, taught these things. Maybe someone did uh, tell me these things, but they didn't stick. Um, and maybe they didn't share the story that made them stick. So hopefully I can share a little bit of, about why I think they should stick, why it's important. Uh, and that is, uh, and some folks are already doing this in the senior NCO realm. We've got folks that are already working with flight commanders. Uh, they've already been uh, in that in that seat, and they've already had the fresh flight commander come in for their first time, and they've already had the chance to mold and grow and learn from them and teach them a few things and coach them, uh, right? And then, uh, and I think for the most part, if if you're a new senior, you probably hadn't had the opportunity. I would say most hadn't had the opportunity to uh, work with a squadron commander for a lengthy period of time. Uh, and I've only had that opportunity once or twice so far, even uh, wearing uh, senior master sergeant. Uh, but there are some things that I wish I, I would have known. Uh, there was a it's definitely a dip, different atmosphere. It's definitely definitely a different level of responsibility there. Uh, there is a certain trust that you got to build now with an entire unit, an entire squadron to know uh, that you've got their back, but also to help a squadron commander uh, grow at the same time that you're growing. Uh, because it's it is a growth time, especially if you're in that seat as a senior master sergeant. Uh, and then and then for the long road, I'd really like to talk about how how do we build commitment in in our unit uh, versus compliance, yeah. uh, which I see as a short road. Uh, so how do we do that? And then I and just kind of close it up. But those those are kind of some topics that I want to touch on. And I don't think I said this in the intro, in the intro, Chief, but I'm actually stationed at Ellsworth Air Force Base. So I came straight out of the MTI career field uh, to a, you know, this what we call an operational uh, unit versus being in the training base. Uh, and I was in MTI for five years. So I left as a tech and came back as a senior select. Uh, to the career field. So that was a, definitely a growing period for me and I had to grow fast. Uh, and, uh, and luckily I had some great, great mentors, great coaches. We use mentor words a lot. I think you've touched on that a little bit in your podcast, but we do, we, we use that word a lot and it's really all about coaching. And I, and one of, one of your seniors on there, man, I've learned chief, I've learned a lot just listening to them. They've talked about sponsorship, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and really just being able to advocate for someone, you know what I mean? So uh, luckily, I've had that in my career. So, 
No, you're, you're absolutely right, man. So there's a couple of things on there. Sponsorship, I believe it was Alicia that brought that up. Alicia is also the one that you referred to earlier about having a lot of pets. Uh, but no, it's, it's been awesome, man. I think you might have heard it. Uh, I, I know I said a, a few times, I've been writing notes. Like I told you before we started recording, like, hey, I'm going to make some notes on, on things that I want to ask or pull thread on or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of times, I mean, I got a whole uh, stack of paper that I've taken notes. And I'm like, hey, on my next job, um, I might try to ask the boss if we could implement this or that or this or that, just different perspectives, man. So you're absolutely right. It's been, I've been learning as well. Uh, so that's another great thing about this is uh, we're just able to share across uh, quite a few different platforms, you know what I mean, and, and reach people that these conversations are happening maybe in smaller groups, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But not necessarily where everyone can get the same same benefit from it. So a couple of things you said. One was about being a TI, going in as a technical sergeant, coming out as a senior master sergeant select. I don't know how many people listen to this know how hard that is to do. Uh, the TI world, any of our special duties, our developmental special duties are extremely uh, competitive. And as a smaller career field, so less promotion, when you talk about stratifications and or promotion recommendations, which let's be honest, let's face the music, that's a stratification too for our staff sergeants or senior airman staffs and technical sergeants, right? Essentially the same thing. Um, so uh, being able to promote out of that career field, man, says a lot about you, uh, Jay, about your character and about your perseverance and about your work ethic. So I know you got a lot to share on that. So absolutely. And then you talk about coming back in here um, and straight out of out of the pipeline, if you will, out of the training environment into the operational Air Force. And I'm, I'll brag on you a little bit. I'm, I'm here at Ellsworth with you. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. There's uh, it's, it's a challenge, but you couldn't even tell it. Right. Uh, it looks like Jay's been, been doing this his whole life. So uh, so that's also says a lot about you. And then about sponsorship, I will tell you just a, a quick second on that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, right. Like I said, I believe it was Alicia that brought that up. You can do that as a senior master. You can do that as a technical sergeant, staff sergeant, whatever it is. I will tell you for the senior master sergeants out here right now. In the mission support group, I'll give you a, uh, an example of chief sponsoring, commander sponsoring stratifications for our senior master sergeants are up. And so I sent out an email. We don't do strat sheets here. I can't stand that mess. That's not a part of the process. Uh, you oh. go on records. Um, but but there's so many different levels where things can get lost. And we have commanders rotating out. I'm rotating out. I said, hey, I want some talking points on your senior master sergeants. And so we, we sat down as a group of uh, squadron leadership teams and group leadership team. And we, we discussed uh, senior master sergeants, their attributes, what they bring to the fight on top of their records, all these kind of things. Because when we stratify people, it's more than just records review. That's what a promotion board does. We have all those other intangibles and all those other things. So, yeah, there's sponsorship that should be going on. But you're right, Jay. Sometimes maybe people told us these things and maybe they didn't. I sure don't remember a lot of this type of stuff. Um, so I'm glad that we have people on that are, are talking about it and just giving you and the audience a brief example of chiefs and commanders sponsoring people too. Because guess what? At the end of the day, those who get sponsored, the ones that are getting promoted. Uh, I mean, there are people that, that don't that get promoted that aren't sponsored, quote unquote sponsored. Absolutely. That can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, but, but yeah, you got to make sure you're taking care of your people. So anyway, uh, giving us a great introduction and opening there. Let's talk about in whatever order that you want to talk about it in. Mm-hmm. But I know that one of your main points was like setting the temperature. Um, so I, I guess for a lack of, I, that's where I would kick us off. But man, wherever you're comfortable jumping into your main points here. Yeah, absolutely. Chief. Thanks. So one thing uh, you talked about there, and it'll just lead me into my first point that I want to bring up is uh, that stratification process and uh, really being able to talk about what's not on paper, the intangibles. Um, because so many times we get caught up and we see it in the EFDP process. And how do we talk to a flight commander and show them, hey, it's not all about just what's on paper. It's really just not, it's not all about that because uh, we've tried and tried and tried and we still aren't there to get out of overinflation of EPRs. So how do you 
how do you groom that flight commander to say, hey, it's not just about what's on uh, this piece of paper? Because they, they may look at it and say, oh, this person is no kidding, our number one, let's push them. Um, but then they haven't talked to anyone and they don't know these people, right? Uh, who is no kidding the person that's putting themselves out there and maybe, maybe risking, doing some risk, and maybe they're failing at some of those things, but that's where the room to grow comes, right? When there's room to fail, there's also room to grow. And, and being able to talk to a flight commander and say, hey, um, we got to give these people room to fail uh, in order for them to grow. So how do they bounce back from these things? And then being able to rate them appropriately. We're still not there. We're still, we are still overinflating uh, EPRs. That's just an Air Force problem. We, we may not ever get there, but we're trying. Um, but how do we groom a flight commander to look at it and say, hey, um, we've got to take an objective look at this and really talk about the intangibles that sometimes we just can't put on paper. Like who's the person that we keep hearing the name come up, right? But then we go to their section or we go to that, that element and we see that they're rating a little bit harsher than other places. It may good, bad, or indifferent, uh, but we had to take those intangibles along the road whenever we talk about stratification, whenever we talk about EFDP. I come from the 2T1 world where, where we talk about, hey, if you, see, if you see it, if you see that problem, own it. Uh, and we talk about that all the time in the convoy world uh, when, back in the day when we used to do convoys. And I still use that, that piece, that mentality is if you see the IED, you own the IED. If you see the problem, and that's where we got to get our flight commanders to. When we, when we bring a flight commander in, we talk to a flight commander, we, we have to let them know, hey, if you see the problem, uh, you've got to own that problem. You've got to own that process all the way through to the end. Um, and that's, that's the number one point is how do we set the temperature for that flight commander to let them know that, hey, what we do here is a professional atmosphere. Uh, we don't adjust to the unprofessional atmosphere or to the bad culture or things like that. That's being a thermometer. So I'll talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, I, anytime I talk to a flight commander, anytime I'm uh, able to help grow or help learn from or help coach a flight commander is one thing that um, I make sure I let them know that we set the temperature. Leadership, we set the temperature. We are the thermostat. Uh, and sometimes it takes a little bit for that temperature to adjust in the room. So once you dial that in, it takes a little bit. Uh, so we may not see that all the way through. Uh, that was one great thing about being a military training instructor is that eight weeks you saw your progress, a civilian yeah. to an airman. That's why, that, that's why that job is so great is because you see, uh, no kidding, the progress that you've had in people, in human being lives, right? Uh, and sometimes you might not see that as a flight commander. Uh, sometimes you might not see that as a senior master sergeant. Uh, sometimes that product that you are growing, PCSs or PCAs, right? Uh, so how do you get that flight commander um, to understand, hey, no kidding, this product that we're working on, we may not see the fruits of our labor, uh, but there is a seed that we need to plant. Um, and then later on, it's just going to grow. But we, we've got to grow it right. Uh, and we've got to look for the long road versus the short road. Um, and so I would I would challenge folks that are listening in anybody uh, is how do we grow the, the flight commander to be a servant leader? Right. That's another piece that I wanted to talk about is um, is how do we talk to a flight commander and say, hey, no kidding. Um, if we serve the people that are above and below us and we show that we're being a servant leader, um, that right there is going to push them to want to be that as well. Um, and, and how much 
whenever we get a new CGO in or new flight commander, I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes when we start giving our opinions of the flight and, hey, this is where the flight is and things like that, we're already setting a precedence for them that's based on our opinion. All right. And sometimes there's a there's a piece in there um, of maybe there's a something somebody rubbed you the wrong way or something like that in the flight. And you're holding on to that as a senior senior NCO. You're holding on to that. You don't want that to carry forward to this flight commander because they're coming at it from a different lens, a different perspective uh, and a different level of responsibility, uh, quite honestly. So they have a completely different level of responsibility. And sometimes too many times in the Air Force. Um, we think of all oh, the officer is the dark side. This is the dark side. You know, you hear that all the time. These people want to go to, you know, they want to better themselves and go, go to OTS and they want to be an officer. And we say, oh, you're going to the dark side. But maybe we, we use that as a joke or something like that. But how many of us actually believe that? We shouldn't. They own a different level of responsibility. Um, and so whenever you're talking to a, a commander, a flight commander, uh, are you talking about your flight thinking, uh, you know, there's there's some things and some people there that rubbed you the wrong way. And there's some non-forgiveness going on there. Somebody told me one time and I won't mention his name because I didn't get his permission uh, for the podcast. But uh, somebody told me one time that uh, not forgiven is like you drinking poison and wishing the other person dies. Right. Uh, and so I know that's a little deep, a little little thick for us here at the very beginning of the podcast. But uh, one thing I did want to uh, touch on is how much of that you know, whenever you're giving your opinion of your flight, uh, whenever you're giving your opinion, uh, uh, to even to, uh, we'll move on to a new squadron commander here in a minute, but uh, even to any officer or anybody that comes into the unit, how much of your opinion um, are you giving to that other person versus the facts and then letting them develop their own opinion? You know, Jay, you said something, there are a couple of things I want to go back on it and uh, chat. It's just too good to pass up. And, and I know you got more to explain on it. I circled, uh, so the notes I got in front of me, I circled uh, short road and long road. I see short road because that's the compliance and I 100% agree with you, brother. There's another senior master sergeant on base here, senior master sergeant Joshua Roberts that does, he did a presentation on, on compliance uh, versus commitment or commitment versus compliance, can't remember which way the words went, but you get the gist of it. Uh, great presentation. He's a little, uh, I would say, blunt in, in his conversation with our younger airmen and sometimes they need that. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, in my experience, we tend to quote unquote sugarcoat things. And I say in, my, in the book, I wrote, the only thing I like sugarcoat is my cookies. That's the only thing I want sugarcoat in them. Um, so, and our airmen are a lot of them the same way. And, you know, so when I see short road and I hear compliance, I think BMT, basic military training and a continuation. Me and you, the senior NCOs of the world, helping our officers, and I'll touch on that in a second too, we're on the long road. Whether you want to be or not, if you find yourself on the short road, there's a problem. And what I mean by that is if you're having a, instill compliance as a senior mass sergeant, there's something else going wrong. Uh, so yes. for us as senior NCOs, we should be focusing on that commitment. That's a culture thing to me. Um, uh, but where I want your thoughts on is, oh, you were talking about helping that flight commander understand like, hey, this isn't on records and everything that uh, appears, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how, how you do that? How do you demonstrate that? You got an example, because a lot of times our, we all connect through stories, right? So if you have a story, you can leave names out or an example, uh, of how you help that flight commander understand that it's not just on paper. How, yeah, how do you show that? that? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically uh, just a, a story that I'll share and leave the names out is, you know, I, you know, I've got a, a young NCO uh, that is basically uh, the name pops up all the time. Once, once it comes when it, you know, who do we need for, let's say uh, a fitness program manager, right. To, to get this spun up, right. Who do we need for that? name pops up right 
the other piece, the intangible pieces, maybe there was a, a senior NCO that was out of the section uh, for quite some time. And this person filled in for that. Yeah, we can, we can codify that, but um, that that's one bullet that we can codify, right? Like we, what we can't capture is sometimes uh, whenever they get into those positions, who else is behind and just flying under the radar and just coming into work every day, doing the job and then rolling out, leaving home, you know, leaving. But the person that puts themselves out there, um, you know, is just trying to get out of their comfort zone. And then maybe they didn't do a great job at it. Um, and then we're holding them even more accountable or more responsible uh, for that. And maybe we're seeing, you know, markdowns, not necessarily markdowns, but maybe they didn't exceed most expectations on that. So um, they exceeded some expectations, but not all. But then when you actually read the content of that, that's the piece that we've got to get to like, Hey, really dive into this. Um, and so that would be my example is we, you know, I've seen, I've seen times where we have somebody that just keeps popping up. The name keeps popping up. Anytime the unit needs something, this name pops up, this name pops up. And then that section, uh, whenever the EPRs come up, that section is grading. Like I think all of them all rating, like they should be rating, uh, and quite honestly, and other sections aren't doing that. And so whenever they go up against their peers across the board, because you don't go up against the same AFSC when it comes to EFDP or even stratification, uh, we compete against our peers across the board, across all AFSCs at the wing and whatever unit you're in. Uh, we see that maybe another section or maybe another area is inflating that. Um, and that's the piece that we've got to say, hey, no kidding. Uh, this is our go-to person we are rating them like we should be rating folks, uh, but they are our go-to person. And so uh, compared against other peers and other sections, they may not have something to compare it to. Uh, and so sometimes you might see an inflation on that end. Uh, and so that's our intangibles that we got to speak to. Uh, and we've got to get our flight commanders and our squadron commanders to really hone in on that and believe that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. So uh, what I would uh, tell the audience and, and my advice piece to them is, uh, I'm a group superintendent moving on to a different position as a PCS. Um, our time is limited in how much interaction we can have in the squadrons. Um, I get to see the senior mass sergeants. Mm. I get to see some master sergeants, but I have a good pulse, I believe. Uh, not bragging, just just giving people, giving it to them real. Uh, I can I can tell on our senior mass sergeant who the paper tigers are, right? Um, at least so based on my my speculation and, and discernment, if you will, and seeing in action. So. What I would encourage the audience to do is, is get up from behind the desk. We Commanders are trained. Uh, one tac 2 talks about it, right, about data-driven di decisions. That's the AFI for the, for the commanders, essentially, 1-2. Uh, it talks about data-driven decisions, right, uh, but to use data as a supporting information. Sometimes I believe that people get, you know, maybe pulled into the data world, and I can look like you're saying, Jay, I look at the EPR number-wise, I have this percentage of EPRs that are marked all the way to the right, if you will, and uh, X, Y, and Z. Get out and go see the airman. So where I would go with that is mm -hmm. I go out and about and I can see the squadron. I can see how Jay interacts in the squadron or any other seniors around here. Uh, but also watch the faces and listen to the comments of everybody around that they're supposed to be leading, inspiring, motivating, right? You can't take that for face value. You can't take it 100% of the time because sometimes you just hold people to the standard and they don't like it, right? Um, but you can get a feel for that too. You know when... I've, I was helping my son understand this the other day. He's stationed here at Ellsworth. And he said, so-and-so said something about this person and said they suck uh, as a leader. And I was like, did they explain how or why? He's like, no. And I was like, all right, son, you know better than that. Next time they're around you, ask them why. And he said, he followed up three or four days later. And he's like, 
that that person's bent. He's like, <laughs> he's like that person can't even provide me an answer. And and uh, so we, we'll leave uh, the rest of the information off. I'll tell you on the story sometime later, Jay. But but get out and go see Airmen in action. Right, that's where I'm getting the, the bottom line is uh, because w- one way to also help with that, like when I was in the room the other day with squadron commanders, I was like, uh, I don't want to hear anything off their records. Tell me everything else about them. Tell me why this person is ready to be a chief master, and tell me why this person is ready to be a senior master. And so if you're in the squadron. Seniors, you're going to be helping or you should be helping with the mass sergeant stratification pushes and, you know, uh, kind of like pushing four strats uh, up out of the squadron. Uh, same thing for your technical sergeants, your staff sergeants. Why? Ask, ask those flight commanders, show the flight commanders how to speak about those airmen uh, and not use records. Right. So if I can read the EPR as an example, Jay, and anybody listening, um, you know, did X, Y and Z performed above their uh, position requirements and missions. Awesome. Right. Anybody can read that. I mean, mm-hmm. I can get somebody. Well, I shouldn't say anybody, uh, but most people can look at an EPR and read that. I want to know everything else. So, and that's how I would just encourage our flight commanders or our senior master sergeants as the audience we're talking to, whatever level you're at, show them how to get out and go see the airmen, watch them in action and, and compare that to the words you're seeing. Cause you're absolutely right. And maybe one day Jay will get as an air force, Maybe supervisor ratings aren't seen when it comes to these types of discussions. We look at word picture only. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, uh, but thanks for holding the line and trying to do it right for now. Uh, so I know we were talking about, uh, you kind of left off with building effective leadership teams and being epitome of excellence and professionalism. Um, so I think that's where we left off before I interjected and, and took you off course, man. But uh, thanks for obliging me there and uh, pick back up, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, Chief. Uh getting out going and seeing is something that you are going to see that no kidding intangibles. Uh, and that's, that leads me right into the next piece. Anyways, you didn't, you didn't throw me off, uh, is how, how do, how do you get the flight commander to build the effective leadership team? It's just that they, they've got to get out. Um, they've got to go and see what's going on. How do, how do airmen respond to NCO so-and-so, right? How, how are they gravitating towards them? Is NCO so-and-so just trying to be their friend and things like that? That's what we've got to get our flight commanders to understand. It's just sit back and watch. Uh, don't it, sometimes you just do it from a, from a distance and, and maybe come in on the weekend uh, and see what weekend ops you got going on and just sit back and watch from your vehicle sometimes. And it, you'll, you'll really see, uh, no kidding, the NCOs uh, and the airmen and senior NCOs that uh, are absolutely respected amongst their subordinates. They, uh, they don't demand it. They have just earned it, right? Uh, because they're leading by example, you'll see it if you just step back and watch from a from a, a, a distance and see it. Um, and our flight commanders have got to you've got to groom them. You've got to show them how to be an epitome of excellence. Uh, if we look at our you know what we used to know as a little brown book, it's turned into our handbook. You know, uh, twenty six eighteen still out there, um, and it's basically gives you that that roadmap to success. Uh, senior NCOs, especially senior master sergeants, um, have got to be the epitome of excellence. And that, those are, that's pretty deep words to me. When you say, hey, you're the epitome of excellence, uh, it's, not that, it's not that some people are and aren't. It's that if you're wearing that rank, you have to be. Uh, you have to be the epitome of excellence. And so um, we've got to make sure our, we groom our flight commanders to do that. And we've got to give them the why. And the why is that important is because these little things, um, and you, you mentioned senior Josh Roberts talking about commitment uh, and compliance. That's something that we learned back in uh, being military training instructors and why that's important. Uh, those little things that we let slide, uh, I, and I'll touch on this a little bit uh, later on, um, is something every standard that we go by 
uh, and that we let pass in front of us every little standard, the, every little standard, every standard that we've put for ourselves and our team, but also the Air Force has levied upon us as well. Uh, we've got to get our flight commanders to understand that every time we let that go by, uh, we've just given it a pass. We've just accepted something below the standard. And I would ask, you know, uh, and I, I may be jumping around here a little bit, is that is your minimum, uh, is it is your standard your minimum uh, or is it something that your irreducible minimum? And what I mean by that is you no kidding, you will accept nothing less than this. Uh, that's that's what your standard needs to be. Uh, because sometimes our minimums, if we're honest with ourselves, our minimums, we change. We will we'll change it. You know, if we say, hey, I'm going to go to the gym for a minimum of, you know, three times a week or four times a week, we'll change that minimum. Uh, we, we'll adjust that here and there. But if it's no kidding, an irreducible minimum, like no kidding, we we will not accept anything less than this. Uh, that becomes a standard. And so that's where we got to get at with all the little things that we let pass every little thing, uh, all the little things. And sometimes we're not trained to look at those things. Sometimes we're not, we're not able to see, you know, so-and-so needs a haircut or whatever. So start paying attention to those things. Uh, it's, it's as simple and as easy and as, and as small as that when it comes to being an epitome of excellence um, and being a professional at all times. Professional doesn't mean you have to be stoic. Doesn't mean you have to be a robot. Doesn't mean, he, you know, you have to, um, you know, be formal all the time. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's being vulnerable. Uh, it's being able to get out there uh, and show a, a different side of you, but also knowing that we have standards in the Air Force uh, and we have certain things that are just absolutely no goes uh, when it comes to professionalism. And those things, everybody knows when, when we're talking about uh, senior master sergeants putting on that stripe, they know this, right? They know the things that are professional or not. Um, but sometimes we get caught up in, hey, I, I've got to go out here and be the robot uh, and I can't be me. That's quite the opposite. Uh, so uh, being you and will we'll lead uh, to some pride for your, your unit, will lead to some pride for yourself, uh, and your team will see it. Uh, so we have to get our flight commanders to understand uh, that they can be themselves, but they can also be professional at the same time. Um, and it, it'll promote that competence uh, in your unit, in your team, whenever they see you showing that you have the confidence to lead, uh, and that you are not afraid to fail in front of them, and you are not afraid to admit that you failed in front of them, but how do you move on past that? goes right back to, you know, if you see the problem, own it all the way through, right? If you see the failure, we, it, you know, it's, it's going to get better if you own the problem all the way through, and then you grow from it. How did you grow from it? Um, and so flight commanders got to understand how to do that, and it's best if you just take them out and go see uh, every unit, every flight, every time you get a chance to get out from behind the desk, uh, go do it because that's when you're going to see the NCOs and the senior NCOs actually responding that way and their airmen responding that way to them as well. Yeah, that's, uh, you're absolutely right. There's, I think, you know, your people do know, you know, when they're in the senior NCO ranks, NCO ranks, airmen know, like even in the airmen tier, uh, what professionalism is like. I will say that uh, when I first came in, I, it did take me a little while to learn because we all come from so many different backgrounds, right? And how we were raised and things we did that were acceptable, maybe aren't acceptable anymore uh, with the Air Force core values and the, and the way the organization is run. But my goodness, by the time you're a senior NCO, you should, I'll put quotations around, you should be 
where you need to be. But let's be honest, not, not everybody is, right? Um, I apologize, I got phones ringing in the background. So when this is being replayed, you'll hear a phone. I'm not ignoring people. There was somebody else who will answer it. Um, but yeah, so you would like to think or assume that, yeah, everybody's where they need to be, but some people aren't. Uh, so there's gotta be a little bit of grace in there, right? So mm-hmm. let's not always put our peers down. Uh, if we see them doing something that's like, my gosh, uh, I, you should know that your squadron patch goes in this side of your arm with OCPs. I mean, just something simple, right? Uh, well, maybe they don't know. Maybe they just, it's been a bad day, but we'll, we'll go and say, and it goes back to what you said earlier about holding resentment on people. And, and I think it does tie to your next one about being able to work with other your peers and other CEMs across the organization. I would like to say that we know what it is. Uh, we, we should know what it is, but let's also in that growth, we're all in a growth space. Uh, no matter what level you're at, we're always growing. We should be open to growing uh, and not against the PT standards. You know what I mean? I mean, growing psychologically mm-hmm. and emotionally, right? Um, but also being able to show grace and mercy. And that and I'm not trying to get the words twisted up. I posted something the other day and people are like, well, actually, Chief, I think what you're looking for is the word forgiveness. And, and maybe I was. Maybe I was looking for forgiveness. I don't know. Mercy to me means a little bit different than forgiveness. But at the heart of it is not to be judgmental. Let's be able to help each other grow and continue to, to move past whatever obstacles in our way, uh, see it as an opportunity, but also being able to work with each other. Because if you start resenting that and you're saying, maybe you're sitting with a squadron commander, unless you know, one of the points you want to talk about at the squadron commander level, how are you going to advise, help the commander, help the team if you've got this resentment built up with somebody else? So um, I know that's one of the things you wanted to talk about. So walk us yep. through squadron commander and, and what that looks like, leveraging resources and things of that nature, man. Yes. So I, I stepped, just to give you a little background as to why I wanted to bring this point up was, uh, I came back from the deployment. Um, our squadron chief, uh, he was uh, moving up to fill the role uh, at the group, and then our group chief, uh, who was deploying as well, and so he's we out had playing some, around. Man. He's he out, playing out playing around. around. <laughs> yeah, you know, we so, so we had him. some gaps that needed. You know, we had some gaps that needed filled, and then uh, and then we had a we had another senior uh, who has made chief since. Uh, it needed definitely needed to go back to the flight. They they uh, needed his his expertise and his professionalism down there, um, and so I you know it was it was on me like hey you're gonna you're gonna be the squad and I, I had filled in week week or two here and there but this was gonna be you know a, a lengthy period of time that it's was a real already, deal now it was a real deal now so hey six monther it's a real deal get ready um, and if you're not ready you're still going right uh, <laughs> so that's that's where I no kidding for just a second um you know there wasn't a panic moment but there was like hey who do i have to lean on whenever it and there's people to lean on there you got to network with other chief enlisted managers so that's exactly what i did you know i looked out uh every you know every week we would have you know our superintendents meeting things like that uh and you would see very quickly in the room um who was uh really just killing this right they knew exactly how how this worked and sometimes those were senior master sergeants um, but you can see the chiefs in the room uh, that were really uh, just thriving in this responsibility, in this role. And th- those are the people that I would gravitate to, whether they agreed with me or not. And in some of my things that I had to you know, ask them, because uh, I think that's important, is basically, you know, surround your people, surround yourself with people that don't necessarily agree with you, uh, but give you no kidding, honest opinion and feedback. Um, and that's what I had to do was leverage those resources. And I had to leverage those resources in order to advise and assist my commander. I, and, and just for my instance, because this is not going to be the same every, every place that everybody else finds themselves in. Uh, I had a new, a new squadron commander, first time squadron commander um, in the seat. Um, and then here I am first time sitting in the seat 
uh, at the superintendent role for a lengthy period of time. So it was just a, a band of newbies, right? I mean, it was just a whole bunch of new folks. Um, but um, we have the resources around us to be successful in that role. Uh, and, it, and we have to network with those other chief enlisted managers in order to do that. Uh, and we have to also leverage, you know, some other outside perspectives. So uh, just for even when it came up to master sergeant stratification, uh, I had, you know, I was teeter tottering. Hey, we've got this one guy, you know, that uh, has retirement. Uh, no kidding, has dead set on retirement. But it, it's very, very blatant. It talks about, hey, we don't consider that whenever we start talking about stratification process. You know, uh, that, do, that doesn't come into play. Uh, but at the same time, we also had, uh, you know, you play the numbers game too. You get 10% at the wing for Master Sergeant Second B Stratted. Um, and in order to make sure that you give the credibility of your commander and of your unit, you got to be thinking about that. Because sometimes uh, your thought process goes from switching from a flight uh, as a senior Master Sergeant to, hey, I want to protect my guys and make sure that I, you know, give them the best foot. Um, and you're still doing that at the squadron superintendent level. But what I found, and this, I'm glad you put that caveat in the very beginning, uh, that this may not be the, the views of the Air Force, because it, it most certainly may not be on this one. Um, but sometimes uh, you still are looking out for your folks. You're still looking out for the team uh, and the unit. But you also have to be looking out for the credibility of the commander. Uh, and before you start submitting up a bunch of names, you know, for stratification, um, how much credibility are you really pushing forward? Because if you're pushing forward, you know, 25% of your, of your team, uh, how much credibility are you, are you giving that commander? Uh, and, and honestly, you may have a new commander that says, you know, that just loves everybody and loves everything and says, yeah, absolutely, this is great. But they don't really understand the process and what kind of uh, reputation that goes along with that and what kind of credibility that they may not, uh, they, they may be bruising along the road right uh and so i i had to learn that uh, i asked the questions before uh before i submitted you know names and before we, and everybody had that feedback before those names were ever submitted so i think that's important as well uh is that no matter what the decision is and who to push forward that the feedback happens uh and sometimes uh that definitely needs to be with all parties involved in the room uh, but certainly you got to walk away from the conversation with no stone unturned uh, whenever it comes to that feedback. So uh, that was a lesson that I had to learn. Uh, and I, I definitely leveraged my resources very quickly uh, because it was right about the time I got in the seat that we were already discussing it. So it was very quick, very, very quick turnaround. Um, and then the second piece, uh, when it comes to squadron commander and being in that role, I had to learn. Uh, and I would suggest this for any commander is you, you got to get to know them. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And uh, be vulnerable enough to give them your uh, your strengths and weaknesses as well, uh, and really get to know them. Uh, are they coming with? Uh, is it a new squadron commander that's coming with no family whatsoever, and maybe a little different level of responsibility than someone with a family? It's it's the same thing. Whenever you're growing a subordinate, and whenever you're talking to a subordinate, uh, and maybe someone you rate on or someone you supervise, you've got to get to know them in order to lead them effectively. You got to get to know them. Um, and in order to help and coach a squadron commander and learn from a squadron commander, you've got to get to know them uh, if you're in that superintendent role. Um, and how do you how do you capitalize on their strengths um, and how do you develop their lesser strengths? As you know, we talk about 
strengths and weaknesses, but I, I like to look at, Hey, there's some things you just, everybody's got some strong attributes, uh, but there's some things that they just don't lean on as much. Uh, so understanding those and uh, seeing those is going, sorry, I got interrupted by a phone call there. Um, understanding those and, and seeing those is going to really uh, be able to, uh, capitalize on things whenever it comes, uh, you knowing your commander. Um, you can go down to any flight uh, with you and your squadron commander. And if you know that your squadron commander is a people person, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a good thing, right? Whenever you're going to visit people and whenever you're going to talk to people and uh, squadron commanders going out uh, and seeing those teams. Um, but if you know that your squadron commander is an introvert, uh, you've really got to develop that. You've really got to help develop that. And the way that um, I've seen that done in the past is uh, just, you know, serve them softballs, right? Just serve, serve it up. So you, you get the team ready, you kind of grease the skids a little bit, um, and then it's just presentation time, right? If you've got an introverted, you know, kind of commander uh, at the unit level, uh, you will definitely see brand new squadron commanders, and you may be brand new in the role as well. Um, but how you've been in the Air Force a little bit longer than most likely a new FGO, right? Um, and so you've got to understand how to be a chameleon in some of those attributes uh, and how do you capitalize on that? The only way that you get by with that is getting to know uh, the squadron commander you're working up there with. Uh, and then I will, uh, the last thing I'll talk about as far as the squadron commander thing is, uh, well, not the last thing, but another thing I'll talk about the squadron commander thing is uh, I think Ray Ray touched on this before. Uh, talking about the triad uh, yep. and how how important it is to establish those roles and responsibilities. And I don't know if he's coming back on for the second session, but I don't want to steal the thunder too much. But I will say uh, it is vitally important. And he touched on it again uh, in, his, in that first session with him was that um, how important, especially for the chief and or the senior enlisted manager uh, and the first sergeant to really split those roles and responsibilities. Um, and you still intertwine, you still work together and weave, but knowing uh, the roles and responsibilities up front with you, your squadron commander, uh, and knowing what role that you play in that is vitally important for a successful triad, that's for sure. Jay, uh, again, so so thankful I had you come on, man. You've, you've been able to uh, bring other people's points uh, and perspectives into line with what you wanted to present as well. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about and get your opinion on after I say it is, number one, uh, when you're in a squadron superintendent role, and I speak from experience and learning the hard way, um, and, and we can, that's a story for a different day, just know that I didn't do it right. I wasn't aligned, right? Uh, as a squadron superintendent, uh, I, I didn't, I never thought, never had it on paper, never had it in my mind that I was the commander, but my goodness, uh, when I was, uh, if you were to ask some of the airmen, uh, they would have said that dude's in charge. Um, so what I'm saying by that is don't do a Caleb. Uh, that was young chief select Baden. And again, it wasn't in my heart to do it. And you bring up a great point, Jay, my commander, and, and I'll put it, put his name out there. I have a ton of respect. We're still great friends. He actually just picked, got picked up for Colonel 06. He was not, uh, you know me, Jay, but some people listening might not know me, uh, I'll just get out in a crowd and start talking, you know, how are you doing? Where are you from? All this stuff, you know, and, and Colonel Francis, Michael Francis was not that way. So I didn't pick up on, we never had this conversation you had. And so uh, I gave the, the perception that I was the cool guy and he wasn't. And so my, my warning shot across the bow, if you will, to all the seniors or mm. anybody listening to this, 
we're not commanders. And I thought you did a great job of touching on that and, and pointing that out as saying, we're here to support them. We're here to help them grow. Guess what? The Air Force expects more out of them than they do me as a, as a chief master sergeant. Right, wrong or indifferent, that's, that's the way life is. Uh, that's the way the Air Force is. Again, I, I, I can say that I'm not speaking for the Air Force, but if you read one tack one and one tack two, it tells you this. Uh, when something goes wrong, they're the ones that are gonna get the, the rap on the shoulder, right? The burden of command is crazy. And if you've never been able to work one-on-one with a commander, you don't understand that. It's kind of like having children. You don't really know what that's like. Did you, your, you or your spouse has a child and you're like, oh my goodness, they weren't, they weren't wrong. Same thing with the commander. It's our job to be in sync with them, to support them. And it's mm-hmm. their, their squadron, their group, their wing, whatever level of anybody we're at. So thanks for pointing that out, man. And, and you're right. We have to get to know them. I don't know. What do you, what do you recommend on, because uh, sometimes people might have scars, man. They got that emotional scar, that psychological scar where a commander burned them or something one time. I know we, they get, my advice is they got to get over that. But what are some of the techniques, uh, maybe a couple of techniques that are tangible that our audience could take away that says, you know what, I never even thought of that. I never tried that, a test or a personality test or anything like that. What, what, what did you use or what have you found to be the most successful in getting to know your commander? Yeah, one, one vital important thing is something that we all go through in ALS is the four lenses, right? Uh, I think that is just, it's key to understanding the little personalities and things like that. You can, you can do the four lenses test, you and your commander, uh, and get to know each other a little bit more. Um, but as, as MTIs, we got in and, I mean, the support was just unbelievable for MTIs. It really is. Uh, it didn't used to be. Uh, we, we learned our lesson. Um, and now the support is unbelievable when it comes to uh, understanding personalities, how to teach that. Um, uh, and it's almost to the point where, if you understand that personality through certain types of, uh, of tests and things like that, um, it can definitely be used in a strong, positive way, uh, but it, it can also be used in a manipulative way. Uh, and so we have to be careful with that. Uh, and I think as, as leaders grow and things like that, and they really start understanding personalities and how that works, uh, they've, it's really a, a touchy, touchy subject. Um, not really a touchy subject, but it's really a, um, uh, a vitally important strength to have, uh, but also with that strength comes great responsibility. So we use this, something called the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Um, and, and it basically, you know, lets you know, Hey, are you the checklist type person? Are you, uh, are you an introverted type person? Are you extroverted type person? Um, do you, do you, do you still get from point A to point B, but you've, you know, you went all over the place um, and you've seen some things, um, or, uh, are you no kidding point A to point B and done finished, let's move on to the next task. Right. Uh, and so that Myers Briggs type indicator is something that we, we were inundated with, uh, as MTIs, uh, and something I really hope that we can bring along is a, uh, is an MD 360 review. Uh, so, uh, we've really got to use this 360 review to, um, just to make ourselves better. Uh, but also to make each other better. And that's something that you and your commander can do. Uh, you can just, hey, I'm going to blast this out for you, and you can blast it out for me too. Uh, it's something that I need to do. I think it would be a great idea. Uh, it's just say, hey, I'm going to send this to three people that, that supervise me or are above me, right, uh, or, and then three of my peers, and then three people that uh, rate below me. And no names are tied to this kind of thing. Um, and just kind of see what kind of feedback you get from them. What type of leader? And there's a certain set of questions that go with this. Uh, what type of leader is this person? Uh, and that is just uh, some cold, hard feedback that you'll get. 
uh, and some areas that you and your commander can definitely uh, learn from. But uh, for sure, understanding that commander and a way to do that is um, an easy way that we all understand is the four lenses. But the Myers-Briggs type indicator is something that uh, I wish we uh, could touch on a little bit more. It's just a little deeper uh, and it's very involved. And I think you even have to have somebody that's certified to even teach that kind of thing uh, to go through that. Uh, but we had that as MTIs and, and it was really nice to really dive deep into it. I think we had a deep dive into it. And now it's like when I see folks like immediately in my head, I'm like, oh, you're a, you're an I or you're an N, you're an INTJ. You're, you're already putting four letters on somebody. Uh, and we got to be scared. You know, we got to be cognizant of that, too. We just can't label, you know, what we think their personality is. We still got to get to know them. It still comes with that. Um, but capitalize on it. Right. Once you get to know them and you've uh, kind of assured hey, no kidding, this person is this way, right? The straight and narrow, the checklist type person. How do I capitalize on that? And then also, how do I get them out of that comfort zone? How do I bring them to the orange, right? In foreign lenses, uh, how do I bring them to the orange uh, and show them that, hey, we can have fun with this too. Uh, we can get a little crazy with it. Uh, but at the same time, we're still going to complete from A to B. Uh, and then watch how our team grows. It may not necessarily be your way, but watch how our team grows in the process. You're absolutely right, Jay. We need to get the 360 on board. <clears throat> you know, I know there's some efforts going towards that, so I won't I won't take Chief Bass's thunder and uh, General Brown's thunder by any means, but that we have to move towards, I believe, again, I'm not speaking on the Air Force, but I believe that's something we have to move towards and do it right, do it smartly. I was a, in a command chief course before I ever did a, a you know, MBT um, or MBTI. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I'm sure somebody in some organization talked about it, kind of like me and you are talking right now. This is happening. We could do this just here at Ellsworth, just me and you chat, right? But now we're going to put it on a platform where maybe one or two or three or four hundred people, maybe whoever, who knows, can listen to it and learn from it. Same thing could have happened with the 360 feedback tools. I mean, I did the four lenses when I was in ALS, but a lot of our career fields, uh, I talked to our ALS students, it's like, as soon as you get out of ALS, you go back to your career field, go back to your shop, your office, your section, your flight, whatever. And they're like, ah, oh, you're re-blued. That's awesome. They get your butt back to work and forget everything. And you know how we do it around here. That happens more often than, hey, let's implement some of this stuff that you learned. So there wasn't a whole lot of talk before lenses after ALS, who I'm getting at. And so, I mean, we talked, I knew I was a blue. I'd, I'd rather hug somebody to, to make them feel better and, and take 300 hours getting to a solution versus the compliance piece. Like, no, Jay, just fix yourself. Here, do this, this, and this, and you're done. I need you to get to that. So I'll, I'll go the extra mile to do that. So I knew that, but I never uh, really utilized that in a squadron level. So mm -hmm. I did some 360 feedback with some free tools that are out there. You get feedback from your squadron at the group level. I get, when I do those 360s, you've seen them come out the anonymous feedback stuff. I get questions about the group or about the base. I don't get questions about me or <laughs> because I'm, I'm just, I'm distant from the airmen. They don't, they might see me around and you gave us some hand warmers at the gate. Oh, you're a cool dude. They don't really know me. You know what I mean? It's just the way life is. But I, when I did the MTD or M, the MBTI, I get all confused, Myers-Briggs. Uh, when I did that, I was like, man, this is a good tool. And there's some leadership circle that's out there. And it's, you're right. It has to be targeted, right questions, right level of people teaching us how to do this. Man, mm -hmm. we just got to put the money towards it. You know, and sometimes yes. some squadrons, we did it when we were at Moody, we put some money towards anonymous feedback. And uh, we use selected, you know, people. They had to volunteer for it. Couldn't force it because it's outside the Air Force norm. Is this going to affect me as a senior NCO? So they had to volunteer for it. And uh, I, I never even looked at the results. I said, hey, you look at your own results. Um, I never, I, I didn't want to see them, you know, so take all that piece out of it. And people grew. There's a lot mm -hmm. of us that grew from those situations. So great, great point. Bring that up. I love how you say don't weaponize this because, man, you can. 
if we if you don't use your heart uh, and your heart not good and founded on things that are of tr building trust and, and building each other uh, then people can tend to weaponize it and use use once you can four letter somebody as you said <laughs> oh i know how i can get around this yeah i'll put this in front of the command put that in front of the commander and that'll get them all fired up and then, <laughs> you know what i mean so absolutely right of not doing that and not weaponizing it Jay, I know you had a couple of summary points. Uh, so in, in closing, wrapping this up, and I'm not trying to rush you off, man, but I did a bad job of scheduling. So I got uh, Romo, Justin Romo is coming on right after you. Uh, so I want to make sure that I got I got time to go um, go take care of some stuff before I get him back on here. Um, but but yeah, giving us a summary here, not rushing you take all the time you want on the summary, just uh, letting you know where I stand. Uh, I got about 15, 20 minutes or so, and sure. I need to be reset. But uh, yeah, just bringing bringing this this plane down for a landing, man. On, on the summary, just walk us through kind of like uh, your final final thoughts on on what you wanted to share with everybody. Yes, thanks. Uh, so again, thanks again. If I don't get a chance to say that uh, before uh, getting out of here in fifteen minutes, I'll try to do this in fifteen minutes, Chief. Uh, but no, I should <laughs> be able to do that. Yeah, and I didn't say weaponize. You did, so you're good at. Uh, placing that name and uh, the, the gift of uh, the lexicon, right? The gift of the lexicon. So um, is in closing, kind of what I want to talk about is, hey, in order to build a commitment and not compliance, um, you've just got to look at, no kidding, I'm in it for the long haul. In order to develop this commander, develop the squadron commander, develop my unit, in order to make people around me better, to be a servant leader, this is going to be a long road. Uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, I related it, I think, in my points to being a bricklayer, uh, but sometimes people don't understand that. I grew up in, in the world of, um, you know, I had to stack wood, right, for our stove down at, you know, whenever I was a kid, uh, we had to stack wood. We had to get, you know, chop wood, stack it. Um, sometimes I didn't understand what was happening right then whenever I placed one little piece of, you know, wood up against the pile. But if you weren't doing that right, if you weren't doing that correctly, you'd walk away and the next day that pile of wood would be an absolute mess. And guess what? Uh, James Carell still had to pile that wood back up. Right. Uh, so sometimes you've got to be uh, deliberate uh, whenever you're doing whenever you're doing this and how you build commitment. Um, and you do that by having those irreducible minimums. Uh, right. And that's a standard, not a minimum, but that is an irreducible minimum. I will not accept anything below this standard. I won't do it. Um, and then how do you correct that and how you fix that? That's just that's learning your personality, learning your commander's personality, how you go about that. Uh, you don't always have to go at it as being a bulldog or anything like that. And it, you don't have to walk away from it, hating each other when you make a correction. Absolutely not. Uh, if you approach it saying, hey, I want to better them, you're already approaching it at the right angle. Uh, and so um, I, I think whenever it comes to uh, how do we mentor our commanders, our flight commanders, our squadron commanders? Uh, and if you're ever in that seat, uh, just understand that you are there for a reason. All right. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Uh, grow where you're planted. Right. Um, there's a I think there's an old uh, proverb, uh, African proverb says, uh, hey, if you want to go fast, uh, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, so lean on people. Uh, leverage that network of chief enlisted managers, other seniors. Uh, that have been in that seat that are going through exactly what sometimes the seniors are a, a little bit better leveraged than some of the chiefs because the chiefs have been out of it a little bit. They forgot what it was like to panic in that mode of superintendent. Like, uh, so you need that senior uh, mentorship uh, as well, even though you're a senior and they're your peer. Uh, so look for that as well. Um, and uh, there's definitely a good thing about being vulnerable. Uh, it, if you show your commander, 
that you're vulnerable in that seat at that superintendent level. If you're vulnerable with your flight commander, uh, that's your team. Uh, they're going to be vulnerable with you and you're going to see a different side of them. Uh, and then you're going to be able to make each other better in front of your unit. You're going to be able to raise them up. Remember, it is not, not about you. It's about them. Whenever it comes to the commander, you've got to support them. You are the support there. Uh, and there's a great story, great point that you brought up about, hey, you're not the commander. At the chief and senior, you're not the commander. Uh, build it up so that they're the commander and they're the ones that's owning that responsibility. You're absolutely right, man. So I'm reading Culture Code. My, the author's name escapes me right now. I've listened to it, I guess, about a year ago, uh, and I'm rereading the book. And, and something you bring out there about the panic. And, you know, he, he tells, tells a story about a, an aircraft. I won't go into the details of it. It had a catastrophic failure as a DC-10. It was quite a few years ago. We don't fly those anymore. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure they're flying somewhere, but United, I don't think, uses those anymore. So anyway, uh, the pilots have a catastrophic failure. Pilots aren't taught this, how to react in this situation. It's a one in one billion chance that it happens. And when that one chance happens, or when that one time happens, you're going to die. That was like the way United looked at it. And uh, so these two people, plus a pilot instructor who was in the back, not in the back, but in the passenger portion of the plane, end up being able to land this plane. It's a crash landing, blah, blah, blah. A lot goes into it. But the, the point he brought up there is the captain is supposed to be in charge. You, as a superintendent, potentially, are supposed to have enlisted force policies. You're supposed to have all the answers. And it goes back to really not no play on words, but creating a culture as you're talking about the right culture that says, got it. I'm the captain. So the captain of this airplane is like, hey, I need some help here. What do we do in this situation? This is broke. The, the brakes don't work. The wheels don't come out. Blah, blah, blah. Just a bunch of different things they were going through that most of the time in a situation like that, everybody's looking to the captain to make the decision. Everybody's looking to the squadron superintendent to make the decision or help them with their, their situation. And, and you're absolutely right when you say the V word. A lot of people are scared of the V word vulnerability, right? Uh, but just being in that space of being like, guess what? There might be a staff sergeant, a senior airman that has the answer, right? Uh, don't let that hurt your pride and be like, well, I was a senior mass sergeant or I was an ex, fill in the blank. I should have known that uh, because Jay already told y'all, y'all should, should be able to be saying, hey, I don't have all the answers, right? Uh, so, Jay, the way I like to roll with this is I'll ask you what you hope your legacy is going to be. And the last thing I'll say is just Chief V out. And that's, that's the last word. So you get the last words, I guess, for the most part, except for Chief V out. Now that I say that out loud, I guess everybody, nobody's really gotten the last word on me. I apologize. Hey, how about this? When you finish, you say we're out, and then you do get the last word, Jay. You'll be the first one in history, man. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy, Chief. Hey, yeah, absolutely. And you talked about this in some of your other podcasts, so I was ready. Uh, some of the other folks, you, you you teed it up saying, "Hey, you might not be ready for this, but I'm gonna ask you what your legacy is." And that, and I, I I've heard this before, is that, "Hey, what's that that dash that's on the tombstone? What do you want that to be?" Uh, and for me, for for James Carell, Jay Carell, J L Carell whatever you call me, senior, uh, for me, it's all about, hey, did I, was I a servant leader? Uh, um, and am I pushing others to be a servant leader, right? If we serve others, if everybody goes at it at that mentality to serve others, we'll all be better because of it. And it's as simple as that. Uh, that's, I, I use that legacy. I want to make sure that that legacy carries forward in my family. I want to make sure that legacy carries forward uh, in my profession, whatever that is, I want to make sure that legacy carries forward in my retirement, whatever that is, right? However that looks like, uh, is am I, am, have I pushed others to be a servant leader, my kids, uh, and am I being a servant leader even to my kids? Uh, am I pushing my wife, my spouse to be a servant leader? And am I being a servant leader to my wife? And then same goes with all across the board at every echelon, every level, up, down, below, peers, all of that. Uh, and that's exactly what I would want my legacy to be. Uh, 
We are out. Thank you.